Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I'm also joined, as always, by Terry, who's also in Minnesota with me, and Bob, who's in Virginia. We are three distinct voices, bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into this conversation. We want you to join in the conversation as well. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leave a message there. We also have a link in the description. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house here in Minnesota and in the Midwest. Now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations continue to be a light not only for us, but for you as well. Now let us welcome Terry and Bob into the conversation. Welcome to the Strange Catholics podcast. We thank you for listening to our podcast. This week, we don't have any Catholic current events per se that we'll be covering. But we are going to have a main topic. That topic is on confession. We're hoping to actually string this together for the next three weeks. This week, we're going to talk about why Catholics go to confession. The importance of that, can, how that sacrament helps fuel us in our spiritual life, how coronavirus has impacted the availability, and also how some of the uncomfortableness with this sacrament has really come to the forefront. Our saint this week in the saint spotlight will be St. Maximilian Kolbe. We'll now turn it over to Terry for prayer. All right. Thank you. And hello again, everybody. Let's all bow our heads, center ourselves in front of God, and let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Great and gracious God, you forgive all, you heal all, and you love all. We thank you for this opportunity to come together as faithful followers of you. We ask that you send the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation and let, through our words, let all come to a closer and greater relationship with you. And we pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So we're going to jump right into our topic this week on confession. And why do Catholics go to confession? A question I had before I even came into the church is what is this confession thing and why would you do this? Cause it seems uncomfortable and it, it just was one of those things that never really jived with me. And as I was preparing to come into the church, this was one of those things that I remember uh, physically shaking and just perspiring to obscene levels uh, before I went to my first confession. Uh, the priest Uh, did a beautiful pastoral job with me, helping me walk through the sacrament. I'd done a lot of my own kind of spiritual listening and prayer, trying to understand the whys and and diving into scripture verses that will be cited, especially John, uh, the Gospel of John, and, and the helping our getting beyond ourselves and seeing why this sacrament. So in uh, John 
chapter 20, verses 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. This is the why. Jesus gives this power to the apostles to forgive, to bind and loose sins. This is that real corporal thing, that physical interaction with people that are in the person of Christ, the priests, the presbyterers. This is that command that he's giving them. This sacrament has evolved much over the last 2,000 years. Really, the last iteration or big change in this sacrament was really at the Council of Trent. There haven't been huge changes in this sacrament since then. There was a lot of up and downs with uh, when they first started out, people would be um, excommunicated. They would be pushed out until they made that public confession. And even after they did, their penance would be a public penance where now the church in her wisdom sees that this this is something because it's so intimate and you're really bringing all of the things that you know you have failed to live up to before the Lord, that this should be something between you and the Lord. And the priest is really just that intermediary, sitting there, being that physical presence of Christ and really allowing the graces of the sacrament to flow through that priest and to the penitent, the one that's confessing. Do you guys have anything you want to say about the whys? The why why we do it? Yes. Well, just to boil this down, and, and once again, welcome brothers, welcome podcast community from wherever you are. We love having you, and thanks for joining us again. For you know, the why. I, I think a lot of people, and, and you, Phil, you just gave a really good opening on this. I, a lot of people misunderstand that are not Catholic, even Catholics, they misunderstand this. They, they, I think they get caught in this, that, you know, the, the priest is somehow sitting in judgment of them and all this other stuff. I I think people get confused by it and maybe that's why they don't go more. Mm -hmm. They don't, uh, or, or is it maybe they don't go because, they're afraid to ha- they they feel like they got that flashlight shined in their eyes, you know, so to speak, you know, because they made mistakes and they're, and they, and they're guilty, right? They, they, they feel, uh, you know, they feel like they've sinned, right? Because they have, we all do. And, and, and they're ashamed, right? And, and they, and they just don't want to air those sins, right? Which mm-hmm. is totally the wrong way to look at this. The way that Phil described it, the why is we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes because we're imperfect, right? So the why is we recognize that we make mistakes. And God recognizes that we make mistakes too. <clears throat> and, the, and now we have this process to cleanse us and reconcile that with God. The priest is there to help that process. And then to get us back on the right track, just in a nutshell. I don't know if that was helpful or not. Let's let Terry talk. Okay. One thing I do want to um, bring into the conversation here is um, maybe to update or change something that you said. There have been no 
major changes to the sacrament, which I would agree since the Council of Trent. However, there's been... All, thank you. Thank you, Bob. There's been kind of an alteration, as I would call it, to the process of confession. Uh, the, prior to the mid-70s, about 1976, the only opportunity for Catholics to go to confession was behind the screen. Uh, the Catholic Church made that change in 1976 and did allow face-to-face -face confession. Do we think? Do so, we think that? What is your what is your guys's feeling on that? I know we talked about a little bit on the pre-show about the screen versus the face-to-face. -face. Uh, Phil said he's only done face-to-face. -face. I've only done face-to-face. -face. You know, a lot of times when you go in there, there's like this. It's not the traditional confessional. It's just a. It's a like that half-screen thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, and you're like. Hey, this guy can look around and see me anyway. I mean, well, I mean, I'm just saying, what what am I, what am I hiding from? I just sometimes, at least for me personally, it's just like, why not do the one on one? Because I think you can get a lot more connection and interaction with the priest by doing that. That's my opinion. <clears throat> but and I mm -hmm. and I would agree with you well, on that. Yeah, what do you absolutely. think? Most people still want to do the screen or. Or one are okay with face to face. I think now in the year to you know twenty twenty, I think most Catholics are very comfortable with going face to face. There are those at least here in Central Minnesota, in the places where I have gone to confession, a majority of the people. Uh, are comfortable with the face-to-face, -face, but there are those, especially in the 70s and 80s uh, age range, that still prefer going behind that screen because that is how they were raised. That's how they have done it. And so that is where their comfort level lies. And I think, um, like you brought up earlier, Bob, where you know the priest could just look around that screen and see who it is, but out of respect for them and out of respect for their level of comfort coming to confession, that screen still does exist. And the priest just stays, you know, on his side. Uh, so, but I do believe that it has evolved um, in more face-to-face -face and, and I, I can't remember the last time <clears throat> I went behind a confessional screen you know, every time I've gone, it's always been face to face for most of my adult life. And this leads well into that next kind of point. Um, you know, how has the availability of the sacrament been impacted by Corona, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, especially during Lent, the most popular time when most people go to receive the sacrament of healing during that Lenten journey? So that when Easter comes, you're in that, you know, that all those graces are just pouring down upon you there and you're really able to receive even more and draw more into the beauty of the resurrection. That's a lot of that's why a lot of people are going during Lent, right? They're during this penitential season. They want to shed off some of those things that have been building up upon them. I would highly recommend going more frequently if you can. Uh, but that availability, it was gone 
for a period of time. There were places that did some drive up confessions for sure, but a lot of places just kind of cut it off completely and then would only do by appointment. And a number of people I've spoken with really didn't like that whole by appointment thing. And the only thing I can think um, is that they didn't appreciate that that loss of anonymity. They want to remain unknown, yes. Yes. Even if they're sitting face-to-face, you know, they're calling someone at the parish, they're making an appointment, you know, all those things kind of breaks apart some of those um, kind of long withstanding pieces that have been there so that people can go bring whatever their sins are. So this is our only time since baptism when we can be, if we make a full and complete confession, we can be, you know, as complete as we can, right? We're, we're sinful people and we can always <coughs> forget things, Sorry. whatever. But this is the way that we can be again, fully open and able to receive all the graces that God is raining upon us. But there are many people that really appreciate that, that, you know, just being able to stand in line with maybe some people that know you, maybe some that don't, maybe they go to a different parish for a confession. Um, and again, when you're sitting face to face, I think, as Bob said, it opens up that opportunity for additional direction. If the priest has time, not always, but we've had this rupture where most people, I, I know I wasn't my, normally the time that I would go is as the last part of Lent as close to Easter as possible. And it wasn't available. So it was a, it was a big, for me personally, it was a big kind of bummer. Cause I always appreciate you know, that opportunity to go, you know, at leading up to Holy Week and then going into Holy Week with, you know, even greater vigor and zeal. Um, and this year missed it. This was an extra penitential Lent and early Easter. Right. So I've been looking for some studies that show about how, how many people go to reconciliation and um the one that I've come across was actually a little older. I'm sure there's one newer. It's a 2008 study. And it, and what it came up with was about, and this is in the United States, 12% or one in eight Catholics uh, participate in reconciliation once a year. And, and I'm sure the number, uh, and I just say this, I, I hope I'm wrong, has decreased since that time. And COVID hasn't helped at all, you know, mm-hmm. so right. I certainly can understand folks who had a traditional way of doing things, didn't want to call the parish and schedule, you know, I, I just the whole mindset of reconciliation for us. It's this wonderful, beautiful sacrament that's been set up a certain it's been set up the, a way. This is the way God intended it and the church is facilitating this. I still think it's just way misunderstood by, you know, Catholics, you know, in general, that this is something that we have to help us. And we don't get that. I can tell you, I understand that, but I still go in the confessional, not as much as I should. Only I I try to go, I want to go every month. I end up going once every three months, right? COVID or non-COVID, okay? And then um, when I get in there, I only list 
probably 50% of my sins, right? Because somehow I'm like, I got to hold back on this. You know, it's like almost like an involuntary thing that happens with us. So we need to crack that with all Catholics. I think we can be much better people if we can just, you know, get to reconciliation, get rid of that baggage, get that penance and move forward again, you know? And so to pretty much everybody for the parish should be sitting there waiting in line and we should have no problem looking at Phil or Terry or somebody else going, yeah, I expect them to be here because this is what we should be doing. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good point, Bob. Although I haven't lived up to that so far. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're, we're all sinners. We're all yeah. fallen, right? We're, we're not perfect this side of the veil, but we strive for that, right? And And this is such a great way to experience the mercy of Christ raining down upon us. There's that beautiful image of the divine mercy. I'll link it in the show notes. The rays of Christ's love that flowed from his side, the blood and water flowing through the priest to the penitent. I think that's such a beautiful image to show how God, he only wants to give us his mercy if we're just willing to do that little bit of uncomfortableness to get through and receive that grace. Well, and I'll just add this. When we hold back, you know, and not fully release our sins, you know, it's like we're holding on to the chains that bind us. And that's exactly where the evil one wants us to be. He -hmm. wants us to be bound in that darkness, in those sins, because then that's where he's got a hold of you. Instead of letting go of that and allowing the light of God to shine through. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back uh, to have the Saint Spotlight. We'll be right back right after this. All right, we're back. And it's time to talk about Maximilian Colby and Terry's going to lead on this. Terry? Actually, I am going to start our discussion on Saint of the Day with actually... Uh, Saint Claire of Assisi. Okay, gonna, that's yep. We're going to do we're going to do uh, just a short little segment on her, and then we'll launch into Saint Maximilian as well. So, um, Saint Claire of Assisi, born on July sixteenth, eighteen ninety four, as Chiara Ofraduccio. Say that ten times fast, gentlemen. What an ama- amazing, amazing uh, woman. One of the first followers of St. Francis of Assisi. Um, She was actually born into a family of respectable means. Um, But as a young girl, she dedicated herself to prayer. At 18, she heard St. Francis of Assisi preach during a Lenten service in the church and asked him to help her live according to the gospel. And on Palm Sunday in the year 1212, Claire left her father's home and went to the chapel at uh, Porzincula to meet with Francis. While there, uh, she did cut her off her beautiful golden hair, was given a plain robe and a veil in exchange for her rich gown. Um, She joined the convent, actually, of the Benedictine nuns at San Paolo, and her father actually came for her 
And when he tried to take her out of there, she clung to the altar and said that she only wanted to marry and be with Jesus. Her And also her sister, who took the name of Agnes, joined her monastery. Uh, over time, other women joined them and uh, eventually became the Order of the Poor Ladies of San Dimiano uh, for a brief period of time. And they were uh, directed by Francis of Assisi himself. So uh, just a beautiful, wonderful saint. There's so much more that I could uh, go on uh, with St. Clair. Of course, uh, here in central Minnesota, where we are at, we have the beautiful Poor Clare Nuns, uh, the, which eventually the uh, Order of the Poor Ladies was uh, changed to the Poor Clare Nuns. And uh, powerful, powerful prayer intercessors for everybody. Um, and I actually have a, a very close friend of mine who is a uh, Poor Clare Nun. So fantastic ex example of what uh, she, St. Clare, embodied. Now, Gillian Colby, again, a wonderful, incredible example of Christ's love. Um, one of the articles that I looked at actually uh, started off with this uh, scripture verse from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 13. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I will... Uh, <coughs> explain more about that and how that ties into Maximilian Colby in uh, just a minute here. His feast day is celebrated on August the 14th. He is the patron saint of addicts, drug addiction, prisoners, families, and the pro-life movement. He was actually born Raymond Colby on January 8th, 1894. He was the second son of Weaver Julius Colby and midwife Maria Dubraska if I'm pronouncing that correctly. My Eastern European is probably not all that great. Uh, a working class citizen struggled under the effects of disunity. Uh, at the time, the uh, citizens of Poland were occupied by Russia, Prussia, and Austria. Uh, his practice of Marian devotions, and uh, Maximilian did have a great devotion to Mary, um, but uh, his practice of Marian devotions would not subdue young Raymond's natural mischievous nature. And at some point when the youngster was finally reprimanded by his mother, she raised the question as to what would become of him if he continued his naughty behavior. Tearfully, he presented himself before the Blessed Virgin Mary and humbly asked her the same question of himself. In response, Our Lady showed him two crowns, one red, the other white. When she asked which one he wanted to choose, he chose both to remain not only pure and undivided in his love for God and the Blessed Virgin Mary, but also the crown of red to be a martyr. At age 13, Raymond Colby became fascinated by the Franciscan ideals preached by two conventional Fra Franciscans who conducted a parish mission at his church in 1907. Soon after, at the age of 16, he and his elder brother, Francis, entered the Franciscan Minor Seminary. So intent were he and his brother on becoming religious that they crossed secretly in a hay cart from the Russian to the Australian partition of Poland to enter the seminary. 
During his formation and study there, the makings of a saint continued to deepen. On October 16, 1917, while still a student friar in Rome, Maximilian founded the Militia Immaculate, the Catholic evangelization movement, after witnessing demonstrations against Pope Pius X and Benedict XV. Its purpose was to bring about the reign of the Sacred Heart of Jesus by encouraging each and every soul to take a total consecration of themselves to the Immaculate Virgin Mary. His goal was to work for the conversion of sinners and enemies of the church. So great and rapid was the goal growth of the magazine that they put out called Night, today known as Immaculata, and the community of conventional Franciscans that formed around Colby, that in 1927 he founded a large apostolic center near Warsaw. The city, it became known as, uh, in English, the city of Immaculata. Colby's method of evangelization through the sponsorship of Mary was a major development of the Franciscan charism. While living in strictest poverty, the friars utilized the most modern printing equipment and administrative techniques available, enabling the Night Magazine to reach an incredible monthly circulation of 1 million and a daily newspaper to reach 230,000. In 1930, Father Maximilian took four brothers to Japan and founded another city there. Colby went back to Poland in 1936 for treatment of advanced tuberculosis. When, in Pol- when Poland was overrun by Nazi forces in 1939, he was arrested under general suspicion on September 13th, but was released after three months. When first arrested, he said, Courage, my sons. Don't you see that we are leaving on a mission? They pay our fare in the bargain. What a piece of good luck. The thing to do now is to pray well in order to win as many souls as possible. Shortly after his publication on 17 February 1941, he was arrested by the Gestapo for hiding Jewish people and a brief internment or excuse me, after a brief internment in a notorious Polish prison, he was sent to Auschwitz concentration camp and branded prisoner 16670. Colby was sent to the work camp. This involved carrying blocks of heavy stone for the building of the crematorium wall, but he never complained. On July, in July of 1941, three prisoners appeared to have escaped from the camp As a result, the deputy commander of Auschwitz ordered 10 men to be chosen to be starved to death in an underground bunker. When one of the selected men, Francis Zeck, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, um, Gojewinzek, heard he was selected, he cried out, my wife, my children. At this point, Colby volunteered to take his place. Rather surprised, the commander accepted Colby in the place of this other man. The men were led away to an underground bunker where they were starved to death. It was said that in the bunker, Colby would lead the men in prayer and singing to hymns of Mary. When the guards checked the cell, Colby could be seen praying in the middle. By the eve of the assumption, four were left alive. Because the Nazis wanted the jail cell emptied, the jailer came to finish Colby off 
as he sat in a corner praying. He lifted his fleshless arm to receive the bite of the hypodermic needle that was filled with carbolic acid, and Maximilian Kolbe was, of course, killed. He was declared venerable by Pope Paul VI on January 30th, 1969, and was beatified as a confessor of faith by the same pope in 1971, and was canonized by Pope John Paul II in 1982. In fact, the man whose place he took survived Auschwitz and was there at his canonization. And as a last point, I will just uh, say this. One of the quotes most uh, famously associated with Maximilian Kolbe was, or is, a single act of love makes the soul return to life. And that is St. Clair and St. Maximilian Colby, gentlemen. Any thoughts? Well, so St. Colby, pretty popular, especially in Europe. There's just a couple things I want to mention about him real quick. One, you know, Catholics, we love to have patron saints for everything, even things you wouldn't even know that we would have. He is also, you know, he's the patron saint of amateur radio operators as if we needed one of those. I'm not saying we don't. It just, you know, sure. seems seems a little, you know, different. But uh, nevertheless, you know, St. Colby's not without controversy. And, and, I, and I don't say that to rip St. Colby. I, I, that's not the point, because I think St. Colby's a remarkable human being who did remarkable things. But, I mean, you know, early on, issues of the night, some of his writings have been characterized as anti-Semitic. So this is kind of, this is the complication of what human beings are, you know, and the time they lived in. And um, St. Colby did write some things and publish some things in those, in those uh, magazines that could have been considered um, anti-Zionist or, or anti-Semitic. Um, but then at the end, you know, he did shelter Jewish refugees in their monastery. That led to him getting arrested and, and to eventually him martyring himself. So it just shows kind of the development of, of him and, and, and his life. So, you know, all of us, even saints, they're just not, you know, they, they're complicated human beings, too. So I just found that to be interesting. Phil? This is a saint I have a great devotion to. I have one of my children that are named after him. Um, I discovered him, I don't know, a, a while ago. And so the shortwave radio part, radio, the reason why he is a patron saint of that is because he broadcasted at the very earliest forms of you know, when you could put your voice over the airwaves in Eastern Europe, he was using that. So he not had not only had his publication, which was pretty revolutionary in the technology they were using for that, but also um, broadcasting messages of hope, um, God's mercy, those kinds of things as well. So that's why. But anyways, um, he... Part of the story that I've loved is that um, here's a person, as Bob mentioned, you know, 
a sinner like everyone else, but is trying to say yes to God more than he says yes to himself. And as you know, again, not perfect, but he kept striving for that. And the, I think the beauty of this saint is that we can continue to strive. Some of our efforts, you know, are great. Some of them we're fallen individuals and the things we do are not perfect, but you can see this progression of St. Maximilian Kolbe. Um, and especially that, you know, stepping out, of course, the Nazis loved to take a Catholic priest over a layperson because they loved trying to tamp down people that were being a prophetic voice in the camp. Um, and uh, so every, I think, if not every most accounts that I've read is that St. Maximilian Kolbe was the last to survive and that they did give him that lethal injection. So that was two weeks without, you know, being starved mm-hmm. and, and still having that spirit to persevere in prayer, I think is a, is a great message, especially today to never give up, to continue to persevere in greater love and devotion to our Lord and always, you know, I, that beautiful Marian devotion that St. Maximilian Kolbe had, I think is a great inspiration for us in our day and our time to try and seek that, you know, that gentle embrace of our Blessed Mother to help guide us, especially in very trying times. And, and, and I guess I'm not surprised that that's why he's the patron saint of those folks. It's just the fact that I've never been involved in a prayer where you've said, and for amateur radio operators, but I've just never, because I'm not an amateur radio operator. So so the, there's a lot of early podcasters that really leaned on St. Maximilian Kolbe because they were, um, you know, before podcasts were a big thing, you know, um, they would lean on St. Maximilian Kolbe as a strong intercessor because he was revolutionary in how he was trying to use technology to evangelize right, to share the good news, the gospel message. So that's so many people will use, especially in, you know, you've heard the term, the new evangelization. Many people will ask for St. Maximilian Kolbe's intercession because he used what he could, the latest and greatest of the time, to try and further that gospel message. Right. And it's part of his, it's part of his portfolio up there, so we might as well use it. Um, okay well that brings us to the end of our podcast Uh, this week we did not receive any prayer intercessions from all of you listeners out there once again uh, i offer it up to you we really desire to have those intercessions to add them to the other intercessions that we put together here as part of our closing prayer on the strange Catholics podcast, please send those to us because the more people that pray together for those types of things, the better off we are. So, so you can, you, you know, when you leave us a rating on iTunes, you could put it in there, but you don't have to, but we want you to still leave a rating uh, for us on iTunes or Apple podcast. I guess we call it now. Um, You can find us on Stitcher. We can find us on Stitcher now and Spotify you can leave some comments in those places. You can go to Anchor, but Phil's going to tell you right now the best place to go at strange cat is it strangecatholics.com. I never get it right, Phil. Give, get set me straight. The email address is strangecatholicspod that 
is P-O-D, and a link will be in the description. Please send us your email, your feedback, your ideas for new show uh, topics, and we would love to have your prayer intentions, as Bob mentioned, that to lift each other up in prayer is so important, and there are real benefits to that. Right. Or so, also, too, I will just throw this out there. If you have a story of how this has positively impacted you in your faith journey, please feel free to share that with us as well. We love we loved to hear your story. Yeah, we're always looking for ideas of topics to discuss. If there are things that you think we should be discussing, you want us to discuss, you want to criticize us, all those types of things, we want that feedback. So please use those different vehicles to get a hold of us. We really want to hear from you. So uh, we have some prayer, our prayer intentions this week that we're using uh, are for folks with cancer. Um, I have some, you know, at least in my family, everybody who's been touched by cancer, unfortunately, uh, we just recently found out that we have some family members uh, that have cancer and, or it's, it's reoccurred. So uh, pretty sad deal or a kind of a, it is a sad deal, but also, you know, uh, we're trying to figure out what's going on and so on. So, I don't want to step over my words anymore on it. I'm going to push to Phil here and Phil's going to close us in prayer and get those intercessions in. Phil, take it away. Thank you, Bob. Also like to lift up those that are supporting those that are in that current battle with cancer, those that have recovered and those that have, have lost loved ones to cancer. Also like to lift up, all those that might be in fear of receiving the sacrament of reconciliation or those that haven't been able to go in some time, that the Holy Spirit would place that prompt in their heart to return back to the mercy that God is freely offering. For protection of life to natural death, especially for all those that are pregnant, for all that suffer from mental illness, issues, insomnia, and addiction. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we bring before you these prayers, these prayers that are in our hearts, those that are spoken and unspoken. We ask your blessing upon all of those. Grant them, you, the divine physician, your gentle touch, your hope, your peace, your comfort, especially during trying times, those that are awaiting test results for, for testing, those that are in the throes of the battle against cancer, those that are helping to lift up and support those that struggle from cancer. All of those that are in fear, Lord, especially those that are in fear of receiving your mercy. Let them not be drowned out by the voices of the evil one, but instead let your Holy Spirit descend upon them so that they may feel and encounter your mercy. Lord, these times are trying, and we ask your blessing upon all of those that will hear this. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And thank you, Phil, for that. That was wonderful and very uplifting. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. And until next week, love you, brother. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that it helps you continue to dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. If you would like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. You can leave us a message there. We will play and respond to your question or comment as we are able in the next episode. We ask that you share this podcast and this episode especially with at least one person. This will help get the word out and help more people to join in the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps podcasts get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day, and may God bless you.